Hey, this is Sam. And this is Anuel. And this is Murderous Intention. Um, so just to give you guys a little heads up, um, we are actually recording this session today in separate locations just because um, I'm getting over the common cold and I don't want to get anybody else sick. So we chose to do the polite and correct thing. Um, and apparently now we're also having issues with one of, with last week's, um, podcast, which we're, we're going to fix it. We're going to get you guys back on track. Um, also just a heads up, we are now doing listener support. So you can subscribe for a dollar a month to help us out. Um, $5 and even $10. To just help us out with getting better equipment. Um, as we do need new mics, new headsets to try to get everything and new equipment to get this um, sounding better, having better content to it. Um, and we also, re- <clears throat> sorry guys, my voice is going crazy today. Um, <clears throat> we also are now also at the point where we are going to be getting sponsors. So in between here and there, you'll be hearing some um, ads and some spo- from our sponsors. So just be aware. Da, 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 da. <laughs> um, oh, that's so cool. That's cool. Yeah, I found this out yesterday. Um, I, something told me was to read our emails, and I went through the emails, and I saw that. That we finally hit where we can get sponsors um, and we can get listener support. So if you guys want to help support us and make this better and you like our content and want to see us progress, definitely, you know, you guys are more than welcome to assist us um, if it's possible for you to do so. Not saying you have to, it's just if it's possible you want to assist go right ahead all right so last week's podcast was the candy man and it was basically about the dad who poisoned his son which turned out where his son ended up dying um and he it, it seemed more like he was trying to get the insurance for that one Right. No, that was the whole. That was the sole purpose of him trying to kill both his kids, but he only he ended up killing the son. That was kind of greedy, if you want to call it that way. You know, usually parents give a Halloween candy before bed, or you know, when it's close to snack time, whatever. And he chose the biggest candy, which is the 24-inch um, pixie stick that was laced with um, potassium cyanide. So, but yeah. Yeah, um, it's it's just a, it's, it was a crazy whirlwind. Sorry, um, we did have background music. Um, I did get a notification that <clears throat> one of our listeners felt that at times she was wa- more wanting to hear, more wanting to know what was the song that was playing in the background, and she would have to rewind to listen to. You know, get back on track of what the story was. So, 
I don't think I'm going to be doing that much, only on, like, special occasions. Um, and I'll just have it where it's, like, a very subliminal, not something that's, like, you know, where you want to be active listening to the music instead of the story. So I, I'm going to try to refrain from that. Yeah, that's definitely counterintuitive. Um, we want them to hear us, and um, if they listen, they want to listen more to the music than to us at the time. Yeah. Um, well, it was it was a good shout out, you know, uh, kind of like shout out the dark kind of thing, you know, seeing how that would flow. Um, but apparently, it kind of. I mean... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, no, but you, you're 100% right. Um, you, you want to try stuff out and see what works and what doesn't. Um, so I'm glad that we did try it and we got a great response from one of our listeners. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so now we chose to kind of do a story um, well, I chose this, um, story for this month, and it's basically, um, I don't know if you ever heard about Virginia Tech. Hello? Hello, I'm sorry, you talking to me? Yes. Yes. I'm sorry, I heard a noise, and I wasn't sure who you were talking to, I apologize. Um, sorry, like I said, guys, um... I'm at home, and um, so we're doing this from two different places. Um, so you're going to hear a lot of background noises um, from my house. I'm trying to have it where everybody stays kind of like quiet and more, you know, keeping it down. But, um, but that's impossible with three kids and a <laughs> Yeah, so it is. Course, <laughs> um, but... I was wondering, have you ever heard of Virginia Tech? I have heard of the story of Virginia Tech. Um, but it doesn't, like, I don't know all the details. Mm -hmm. um, I know more about the Columbine um, shootings and stuff like that. Um, but the Virginia Tech, I've heard of it. I kind of remember it kind of sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. But I don't know a lot of details about it. Okay. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give... I'm not going to go full detail, detail about the, the, the person who committed this act. Um, just because I feel like they... They don't really deserve that much of a limelight, but I do want to give as much detail, um, and I do have my timeline for as much detail as I can get on what occurred that day um, in Virginia Tech, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to start off with this young man. Well, I don't even know how to call him, being honest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's one of those... If you went into full detail, and we're gonna um, also we're gonna interrupt each other because we're not right next to each other, um, so we can't do the hand hand signals we normally do. But um, if you give if, if you were to go into detail about this, it'd probably be a five hour podcast. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, okay, so <laughs> so his name was Sheng Swing Hyu Cho. Um, it's actually he's from South Korea, um, and he was born January eighteenth, nineteen eighty four. Um, so, yeah, so that's why I also have a little difficulty saying his name, being honest. Um, gotcha. so he's known for carrying out the most devastating mass murders in the United States in the year of 2007. Um, so several years before the shooting, um, when Cho was about eight years old, him and his family, they immigrated from South Korea to, I'm hoping I'm saying this right, Centralville, Virginia. And so the family decided they want to run like a dry cleaning store or business. Um, right. And a lot of people say that he, you know, Cho was very much uh, a shy kid. He liked to play basketball. He was awesome in math, but um, in an article I read in the Newsweek magazine, Cho, they, some people say that he was bullied by other kids, um, including like some wealthy members of his church. How true is that? I don't know. Like I said, um, I read it in an article, um, which does not always mean everything is 100% accurate or true. Absolutely. Um, they also it also states um that when he was in high school he was described as like sullen and aloth. Um and basically it got to the point where he became self mute where he chose to be quiet and not speak. Um but somehow he he would speak to um, people of color. Um, but he wouldn't say anything to anybody who was like of Caucasian descent and all like that. Um, so it's it's like okay. So do you feel more comfortable, you know, speaking with color people than you know Caucasians, which can be understandable. Go ahead. Sammy, that 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 statement right there tells me that he probably was. Um, bullied by white rich people, as he, as you, as you said, mm -hmm. um, and you normally um, kind of hang out with people that kind of don't give you any problems, and yeah. I, so I kind of, I kind of believe that he was probably bullied when he was young. Yeah, so I have a feeling of that too, um, but mm -hmm. I can't always, you know, say, oh, you know. Because it's, um, some of this investigation is things I found in articles, I don't want to completely say it's 100% truth or accurate because of the fact that I wasn't there to kind of like see it or hear it, you know, and be able to investigate myself into the matter. But we'll leave it as from that point of view, I can definitely agree with you and say, yeah, you know, if he's kind of like, isolating himself from um, 
that kind of ethnic group and staying mute to them, then I can yeah. agree with that, you know? Yeah, I agree. So, in high school, Cho was, like I said, Cho was described as the sullen and all off. But after graduating in 2003, he went on to study at Virginia Tech University, which is actually located in Blacksburg, Virginia. Um, so just a little, you know, tap of info. This school is has an extension campus with more than 30,000 students residing there. So Cho stood out as like a near silent lo loner in this school. Um, and then a little bit more detail, like the article also explained about him was that he would write like very gruesome poems, um, short stories and plays. Um, and I think they did, they tried to like re, like recreate in a visual effect way, um, well, visual aid of two of his plays, which was, I think, one, it didn't make sense. It was very kind of like violent and it was just like all over the place, you know, and it was, it was weird for me. So I was like, yeah, no, you should not have went into this kind of field. This was not your cup of tea, you know? Um, it sounds like there's, there were signs before he committed this, this thing um, that somebody should have addressed, in my opinion. Well, I feel that after reading the information I had read about him, he seems to have some stuff of, like, maybe not full-blown autism, but it seems like he had some type of autistic um, issues, you know? Mm-hmm. And then um, later on, you'll start hearing how he kind of also has, like, some mental issues that n I feel like were never fully addressed. And it led... So, he also, you know, when he was in Virginia Tech, he would also have it where, you know how you have to sign in to show that you're there? Um... So most people, they'll put their name. He would put question mark. Oh, so that's how he referred to himself as a question mark. Yeah. Um, so oh. a lot of people would, you know, like say, well, if you consider yourself a question mark, that means you, you can't identify yourself. You don't know who you are. So I would have took it as um, a red flag. One, you know, that most being, that would have been, hey, I don't know who I am. I'm just going to put myself as a question mark and I'll figure it out one day or another, you know? Um, so... Yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a weird thing for you to refer to yourself as a question mark. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then the other thing is, um, here's like some of the troubling signs that occur. So there was this professor, right? Um, 
and her she uses actually a poet and her name is Nikki Giovanni and she actually had him removed from her class for disturbing the other students uh she told the times magazine that quote there was something mean about this boy um she said that he was actually the bully in the classroom and he was always coming to class wearing sunglasses and a hat which she would always have to ask him to remove it and it was just like a constant you know thing and then another scenario another incident was where he actually took photographs of the legs and the knees of female students in the classroom and he would you'd see the flash from underneath the table where he would be taking the pictures of the girls and it's like dude what the heck you know why are you doing that right um and then other members of the english department faculty were concerned about well concerned about him as well you know besides um this professor right um so lucinda roy she's um the co-director of the school's creative writing program she took him out of the class and started tutoring him alone like you know trying to help him out and be like hey you can't go back to that class but i will help you in your progression to you know with being a poet and a writer and everything like that that you're wanting to be so and she she kind of encouraged him hey i i kind of think you need to see counseling you know i don't know if that's exactly how she said it but they do address that she encouraged that he get counseling just to kind of like help him out through whatever it was that he was going through you know and it's common that at this stage of life you hit a rough patch and you're kind of like who am i what am i doing kind of thing you know yeah um so in addition to his odd behavior and dark writings um cho also also like eh, tongue tight sorry um, Cho exhibited other potential warning signs. Um, he was twice accused of stalking a female student in 2005, but neither of the girls pressed charges. Um, a suicide statement. A suicidal statement was made by Cho to his room, his dormy. I think that's how you call it. Um. Which led him to be taken to a psychiatric hospital in December of of that same of that two thousand and five. I'm trying to remember that. Um, then he was soon released with the order. Now listen to this. He was released under the order that he has to go and seek outpatient therapy. Now here's the thing. Who who was verifying that he was actually doing this you know probably nobody exactly um so then documents in were released 
in June of 2007, indicating that he he did attend at least one court order counseling session at the Cook Counseling Center. But that's just one. Who gets who gets feel whoever feels like they're completely done and they can actually say I feel better about me in one session. Impossible. Exactly. Um so five weeks before the shooting, Cho brought his first handgun and purchased the second one closer to the date of the attack. Um, from, from, like, evidence that was found in his dorm room, it was clear that he had been planning the assault on the, on the school, um, for quite some time already, and it was just, like, wow, you know, like, he even made a video, um, he took pictures, you know, it was just, you can see that there was prep. He was amping himself into, okay, I'm going to do this. Now, earlier you mentioned the Columbine. And they also say, and this is not like an accurate information, but it was more of a hearsay where a lot of people are saying, well, when the Columbine shooting happened, he was very, um, like, obsessed with that inf- that issue, and he was kind of, that's when he got more darker, I guess, um, so if you go on YouTube, there's a documentary on it, um, there's other podcasts that also do it as well, um, and it was just like, oh, shoot, you know? So, and all the articles I read, they were very much insisting that, like, he had this obsession with the Columbine shooting, which probably also amped him to feeling, yeah, I can put my my thoughts to action and do this. If they did it, I can do it, you know? And the, the, my, my opinion is both shootings are wrong. Both were wrong in every which way, but... The Columbine were two teenage hormonal children. At the end of the day, they were teenage children. This, he's 23 years old. He's technically a man. At the end of the day, he's a man. He should know right from wrong, and he should have known that morally what he was about to do was wrong. You know? Yeah. Um, so now I'm going to go to the timeline of August 16th of 2007. And I know, like, you're probably like, oh my gosh, this, this podcast is going quick. Um, but trust me, as we're going through the timeline, we will be speaking. We will be giving our views and, like, what could have happened. You know, what could have stopped? What could have, you know, kind of, like, stopped this whole thing from happening? Yeah. You know? So, in the early Monday morning, um, 
Now, this one dormitory is called Harper Hall. Um, Cho, who, like I said, he was 23, he wakes wakes up to his alarm clock um, in his, they call it a suite, I call it a dorm, you call it whatever you want, it's all good, you know? Um, and he was sleeping in the Harper Hall. So Cho's roommate, Justin, I mean, Joseph Aust, said that Cho went through his normal morning routine. Um, but the past couple of weeks, Cho had, aka, been getting up earlier about like 5.30 or 6 a.m. So, now here's a side note. I don't think any classes start that early that you need to wake up that early. You know? If you wake... Yeah, if, 100%. If you're waking up that early, there's only a couple reasons why you will get up that early, in my opinion. There's probably more than a couple. But in this particular case, you're working out before class at 8, 9 o'clock, or you're plotting something. Yeah. And, and, and I'm just talking about specifically this case now. You know, there are other reasons why people get up early, but you know, that's the only two reasons I would see him getting up. Yeah. That early. Mm-hmm. No, most definitely. So around seven AM in the West Amberlin Johnson Hall, he enters the west section of the Amber Justin Hall and begins searching the fourth floor room by room. Now, it's not clear on who or what he is looking for. They just know that he was spotted, you know, um going room to room. You know. Um so he ends up confronting Emily Jane Hilsh- Hilshire. Um and she was 19 of Woodville. Now, the floor's resident assistant, Ryan Clark, who was 22, and he's from um, Mar- Martinez, Georgia, he steps in to ask Cho to keep the noise down. You know, so Cho answers by drawing a handgun. Hold on. Because when I say drawing... It sounds like he, he, you know, just like with his finger, you know. Um, but he actually drew from his waistband a handgun and shot both um, Emily and Ryan. Unfortunately, they both died because of their wounds. So now here's my thing. How is it that it's like, I'm just like, okay, wait a minute. Why, why are we, like, what is it, what was the deal between him and Emily, you know? Yeah, there's missing information there. I mean, and not so much missing by you, but I understand that this is an outline, so you're just getting to the points of the matter. Um, but because I have no other thing but to guess, 
I guess you try to pursue Emily or something to that thing, you know, like something like that. Probably. Well, the thing is, like, it, even when I read in other articles, there was nothing of why he, there was no, first of all, there's never a good reason to shoot somebody. Second of all, he didn't even have a reason to do anything to her. Like, they, they saw no connection. She was a freshman. He's a senior. They don't see where the connection could be, you know? He's from a different hall than she is, you know? So he's from Harper Hall, and she's from Johnston Hall. How, why, you know, kind of like that scenario. Um, yeah, I'm going to let you continue because... I want to know how many girls he killed, or women, I should say. Okay. So, at 7.15, in the same hall, um, the campus police received a 911 call um, saying that they needed to go to the West Amber... Amber... Oh, I can't talk to him. Ambler Johnston. Um, and then within minutes, police and rescue personnel find two gunshot um, victims. The Blacksburg police are called in to clear wa the Washington Street and to establish a perimeter around that building. Okay. So then, at 8 a.m. in the same hall, a resident assistant... Um, on the third floor of West Amberlin Johnson, tells students there was there has been a shooting on the floor above, and to stay put. Here's um so this was said by a they say first year student, which is basically also a freshman, um, Amy Canode, um she said that they. In, in quotation, they had us under lockdown. They temporarily lifted the lockdown, and then the gunman shoots again. Why would you remove the lockdown? Exactly. Like, if there's a shooter in the building, and it, of course, this is, what, 16 years later, um, maybe a little less, 14 years later? Um, okay. but if there's a shooting in the school now, they don't lift that lockdown until they find the gunman. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've, anyway, I'm, I have some things to say about the school, which I'm not really happy about, but, um, I'll let you continue. Okay. So then at 825, we're going to move to a different hall now. We're going to go to the Burros Hall. Um, sorry if I'm not saying it right. Forgive me. Um, the university's leadership team, um, including the president, the executive vice president, and the provost, um, meet to assess the situation at the dorm and to determine how to notify students about the homicide. Well, the homicides. Yeah. So by 9 a.m., the team has been briefed by campus police police chief Wendell Flincham. Okay, 
So then at 9 a.m., Cho mails an overnight package to NBC News. So he has went back to his room and decided he was going to mail a video. It contained actually contained photographs, videos, and writings, um, which, it, being honest, a lot of it was just jumbo um, nonsense, where it was like, um, it really didn't make sense. Like, I, I saw the video of that they kind of like gave snippets, and half the things you won, you couldn't understand how, what he was saying, because it was like he had... Have you ever, like, put marshmallows in your mouth or cotton balls in your mouth and then you try to talk? All the time, yeah. <laughs> so. Especially when I was a kid. Yeah. And you're like, mm, 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 and no one can understand you because you're like, you you sound gargly. So that's basically how it sounds. Like, you couldn't really hear what he was saying. And he doesn't really speak loud and pronounced. He speaks um very... It's like a deep voice, but it's it's very monotone and very low. So it's hard to like comprehend what he is actually saying, you know. I have a question. Sure. Okay, so he sent an overnight package. You sure he went back to the dorm room? So in other articles, um, he actually went back to his dorm room to they say they assume he went back to the dorm room to re um to get more ammunition um okay and to get whatever else he needed to go and get for this um this next crime okay um and then also to go and del- you know e- not email i'm i'm so used to nowadays we just email stuff um but to mail out this package I don't think that's right. What? I think I think that overnight package was sent the night before. Like that he wanted the news to break that day, so that's why he sent it to NBC. That's the feeling I got. Oh. Uh, it could be. Um, like I said, I'm a lot of the information where I wanted to get more clarity of what was going on in a timeline effect, um, was more of articles, um, and it was kind of like, you know, bits and pieces of what everybody was saying, so if I do come across later on with some inaccuracy, and I'm able to recant it, definitely I would go ahead and share that information with you guys, so that way you guys know exactly, you know, what was said. Um... So now we're going to go to 9.26 a.m. And this all happens in the morning, okay? So the campus police sends out an email warning to the faculty and the students stating there has been a shooting at West Amberler Johnson. Um, They say... Police are on the scene and are investigating. The university community is urged to be cautious. Um, A recording message is uploaded to the Virginia Tech Emergency Weather 
phone line and another is sent to the campus phones. Um, a news release is posted on the university website. So it was like they were kind of like basically trying to let people know, hey, this is what's going on. You know, so, okay, bravo to that. But I still feel the lockdown should have stayed. You know, like everybody had to remain in their dorms. Um, and if anybody was wandering around, they would, I would, whether they're innocent or not, I feel like anybody wandering around should have been arrested and held until they are cleared and they cannot enter back into the, into the building until, you know, otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I understand that, um, just because you don't know, I'm, by this point, I'm guessing the police don't know how many shooters there is. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would definitely at least, not so much arrest them, but detain them. Yeah. kind of make sure, you know, who they are, you know, um, run their IDs and stuff like that, but. And this last little bit effort that they're doing now to, you know, let everyone know, um, I think it's a little, um, what's the name, what's the, what's the phrase there? Um, too little, too, too, you know, like not enough time. They should have done this way before now. Yeah. I think he had um, given them enough clues and hints that something was wrong with him. And honestly, I, the, the, the place that um, the psychiatric ward that he went to released him too early, in my opinion. But I know you got more to say, so I'm going <laughs> to leave it at that. No, I totally I understand. So around that same time, um, in the, um, the preliminary stages of the investigation, the shooting in West Amberlane Johnson is thought to be an isolated domestic incident, and it was reported that way as well. So police filed search warrants for the home of Wilshire's boyfriend, a student in Radford University. Authorities are, are reportedly questioning the boyfriend when reports come in of a shooting at North Hall, which is half a mile away from the Johnston Hall. So now you're probably saying, well, wait, you never mentioned Norris Hall. Well, hold on. I will get to it. Yeah, um, I mean, the police messed up there too. Yeah, they did. Honestly, they did. Because I understand that um, there was just one shooting, but to claim it a domestic, isolated domestic incident, um, I think gives a pathway to kill more, which I'm guessing you're about to talk about. So, yes. Um, and the reason why I haven't said earlier um, his count number um, mm -hmm. is because, one, I want to keep you guys intrigued, wanting to know what the heck is going on. What's, you know, what's the count number, you know, and everything like that. And why is this such, you know, a mass murder devastation, you know. Um, and I'm going to go right now into this. So, before 945 in Norris Hall, 
room 207, Professor Christopher James Bishop is teaching elementary German when somebody peeks in. Students assume it is a lost student looking for a classroom, you know, mm. which, you know, I can imagine in the university, um, that's probably something that's common, you know, whereas like somebody peeks in on one, oh, wrong room, you know, and they go on to the next. Um, but then 10 minutes later, Cho abruptly pushes open the door and shoots Professor Bishop. Then he turns on the horrified students who all hit the floor and hide behind desks to shield themselves. Um, the students on the front row are the first to die, unfortunately. Um, Trey Perkins, 20, who is 20, was 20 years old at the time, um, from Yorktown, he, he basically states he never said a word the whole time he was shooting. He, he's like, I've never, I never seen a straighter face. So he just shot the professor, then starts spraying bullets at these children. And I know I, they're, they're grown ups, um, but they're somebody's child. So I'm going to, I'm going to look at it at that point. Um, I might get a little bit of sentimental right now. Please understand as I am a mother and one day my kids will be going into college and this does kind of like take a, a mindset on me. Um, at one point Cho pauses to reload and then resumes firing. So it, it seems from there, like his mission was anything moving needs to be shot and he was not going to stop until that room was basically quiet where no there's nobody alive to make any noise you know um so then another young man named Derek Odell who was shot in the arm um and he's also 20 years old he states he it was he was very quick in reloading um so he he looked like he had been trained um mm -hmm. and the thing is he was training he was um going to the range to shoot his weapons um and learning how to reload quickly um so sadly Derek is right he was trained he was I'm you know, guessing that was the the five thirty six o'clock um early wake up morning so I, I I think that's what it was was yeah. he was waking up very early going to the range practicing yeah. and then attending his class to kind of like keep that normality where no one would know that what he was doing kind of thing um because yeah, anybody could have thought he could have been um working out or whatever yeah. You know, um, so then he suddenly stops firing and leaves the room. So Perkins 
um, which is the is the young man who said that he never said a word. Um, mm -hmm. He fears that Cho might return, so he told. So what he did was he told people that were still up and conscious, just be quiet because we don't want him to think there are people in here because then he'll come back in. Right. Which is a smart thing to do. You know, if you're still alive, even if it's a small wound, just stay laying down, you know. Um, just stay there. Don't move. You know, it's, a, it's, it's better to try to momentarily keep yourself still in hopes that that person does not return back, you know, and see that you're moving, you know? Yeah, because who could have, who could have, um, he could have easily thought, okay, it's quiet now, I've killed everybody, at least, I would have thought that if I was on the ground still breathing, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, nobody, and nobody knows his state of mind, he didn't have much friends, so, yeah, I mean, it's quite possible that he thought he killed everybody, so he left the room. Yeah. So, um, as the gunshots were ringing out down the hall, Odell leads. Now, Odell is the young man who got shot in the arm. Um, he leads an effort um, yeah. to barricade the door. So, the doors for the classroom where they were, he was trying to like kind of like barricade it so that way um, Cho cannot come back in. But a few minutes later, Cho returns and he tries to force open the door and then fires through the door about six times, hitting at least two students, um, senior Kevin Stern, who was struck twice in the thigh, and junior Caitlin Carney of Sterling, who was shot in the hand. Um, Stern, Stern was fashion, fashion a tourniquet from the electric cord to keep himself from bleeding to death. So, okay, what's what, a tourniquet? A tourniquet is basically, so if you see in movies, what they do is they'll go, like, say if you got a, a shot on your, your leg or your thigh, um, or your arm, they will take a piece of clothing or a belt or an electric cord, you know, something that's a rope that can be tied around the leg. And you normally place it above the wound and have it where you to apply the pressure to, yeah, to stop the bleeding so you're not gotcha. bleeding okay. out. Um, I've never heard that word before, so it's, it, I'm glad. Okay, thank you. So um, when you take first aid, it's a very common word where they throw in. Um, and I had to take my first aid classes, um, to become a massage therapist. And it's something that I never want to have to learn how to do. Well, I had to learn how to do it, but I never want to have to put it into action. Um, just because of the fact that it's, it's not fun. Um, it's kind of nerve wracking at the same time. So the good thing is that Cho, um, so Cho abandons the struggle with the door for room 207 and he leaves as many as a dozen um facilities there Fata I mean, fatalities fatalities thank you so much 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, why? So I understand that as well. Why would he continue to fight with the door? Well, first of all, Odell needs some um, flowers because he was smart enough to barricade the door. Because if not, Cho is going to come, he did come back to finish his job. Yeah. So, you know. And I'm guessing that he, the reason why he left is because he probably had some more killing to do. Um, he, being honest, he did have more killing. Um, but I think he left at the first, that first time. Um, well, that time was to probably get more ammunition. Um, just to go ahead and, you know continue doing this heinous crime. Yeah. So, a student named Ern Shihan Shihan Um So, she basically says that there was like blood all over the place. People in the classroom in the class passed out. Um she said she also says she's like I don't know, maybe from shock from the pain she also says that she was the only one of she was one of only four that made it out of that classroom the rest were either dead or injured so only four students basically went unscathed you know wow but everybody else yeah. Go ahead. So yeah, the rest was dead or injured. Mm-hmm. Only four made it long. So I'm gonna guess, and I don't think you said it, and if you did, uh, I apologize. But I'm guessing he had an Uzi type of weapon. Um, I didn't say it yet. Um, no. but I think he had to to be able to spray. That much, you had to have. In that first row, yeah. Yeah, you know? Yeah, I got it from that first row that he just sprayed them. I'm like, whoa, he must have, like, a newsy type of guy. Okay. So, now we're going to go to the stairwell. Um, And we're still in the same hole, okay? Um, So, Janitor Jean Cole, who was 52 years old, from Radford, um, gets word of a gunman loose upstairs. He climbs to the second floor to look for a co-worker, but as he steps into the hallway, Cho emerges from a classroom and spots Cole. Cole says, I was shot at at five times. I was shot at five times they went right by my head. Cole runs down the stairway and out the back of the building. So he he was able to get away without getting injured. Um, and I, I, I that, think was a, that was a close one. That was a close call. Five shots and they all missed. Usually at least one out of five hits you in the head. You know, mm-hmm. 
Apparently, he had an angel. Um, yeah, something. Yeah. He had to have an angel cover him in that moment. Yep. So, we went from room 207, and now we're going to go to 206. So, okay. Professor G.V. Longanathan, um, who teaches advanced hydro draw ah, hydrology which is um the study of water so which i'm like wait what advanced study of water i need to know this um but uh, all humor aside um he ends up shooting this teacher to death along with two students Julie Pride of Middletown New Jersey and Jarrett Lee Lane 22 of Narrows then he moves on to room 204 and it seems like he just he's in this one floor and he's just going down the hall you know yeah he's going room by room mm -hmm. you know um, so then in room 204, there's Professor Liviu Lebelski, Lebelsku, who lect whose lecture is on solid me mechanics and is disrupted by banging and screaming from the classroom next door. Um, suddenly Cho appears at the door as he enters um Labres school uh seventy six years old Holocaust survivor oh boy bars the doorway urging the student urging students to run some jump from the windows other hide beneath their desk as Cho shoots Labresco and enters the classroom. Lebrescu looked concerned, but he never panicked. And obviously, I can understand why he would not panic. Um, because of the fact that he was a Holocaust survivor. So he knew the dangers. You know, this was not something that was going to put fear. It was, he went into what they call fly, flight or fly. Yeah, fight or fly mode, and he flew into action. Um, and this was noted by one of the students named Richard Malaliu. Um, so Cho remains in the room for about a minute and a half, firing at the students. Labrasco and Nicole Regina White, 20, of Smithsfield. Um, are among those killed. Matt Webster, 23, also of Smithfield, is among the injured. So now we're going to go okay, down. So go ahead. Ten more. Ten more. Mm -hmm. um, so, of course, the, the professor didn't, as you said, um, of course he didn't um, panic. He's been, in my words, 
do so much more shit than a person with a gun, no yeah. matter what that weapon is. Um, and at the same time, I got to guess that the other reason he didn't panic, besides I'm like, he's like, I'm dealt with more shit than this. Um, he also didn't want to panic the kids, which of course ended up being panicked anyway once he was shot and killed. Yeah. But um, it's like, kudos to him for just, you know, doing the right thing and not trying to panic the kids and knowing that, okay, if he's going to kill me, he's going to kill me. Like, there's not much I can do. But, you know, being a Holocaust survivor is nothing, it doesn't compare, I should say, it doesn't compare to having a gun in your face and being shot or killed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, definite. Um, so then we're going to move to room 211. Students and Professor Jocelyn Corter Nawak, an intermediate French class, hears popping noises down the hall. So she glances outside and quickly orders everyone to the back of the room. Students try to block the door, but Cho bursts through. He walks down an aisle, randomly shooting students in the second row. Colin Good Goddard, um, Goddard, twenty one, takes three bullets, one of which breaks his left femur. So that's in your leg. That's actually that's your biggest bone in your in your leg, which is your main bone in your thigh. Um, yeah, that's the longest bone, isn't it? Yes, it's the longest bone in your body. Um, so then he leaves the room and then returns to shoot again. Um, so Goddard laying, is laying beneath the desk. Here's two or one or two more shots and then silence. Shortly after police enter the room and the radio and radio that the shooter is down. So Cho killed himself in room 211. So amid amid the body of several victims. So it was the teacher Daniel Perez Cueva, 21 of Peru. Rima J. Samaha, 18 of Centerville, and Leslie Sherman, 20 of Springfield. Goddard um, uses his cell phone to text message his mother in Radford saying, I'm okay, got shot, come. Um, then at 9.45, campus police receive a call about a shooting at Norris Hall. When they arrive, officers discover the front doors had been chained shut from the inside. They breach the door and follow the sound of the gunshots to the second floor. As they reach the second floor, the gunshots stop. The officers find the gunman who was shot, who has shot himself in room 211 among several of his victims. The officers find Cho in possession of two hand, handguns, a 9mm, and a .22 caliber, plus dozens of rounds of ammunition and several knives. Among the items found in Cho's backpack are prescription medication related to treatment of psych 
psychological problems and a note that contains obscenities and angry denunciation of rich kids. So you were right in the beginning. It was that he was silent because of um, Caucasian rich kids, you know. Um, Then at 9.50, Virginia Tech sends out a second email. A gunman is loose on campus. Stay in building until further notice. Stay away from all windows. Around 10 a.m. in Burris Hall, campus police arrest Shaw... I can't even... Um, Shazuhu Q, a photographer of the student newspaper who is taking pictures in front of Burris Hall, the main administration building. Chu matches the profile of the suspect shooter, an Asian American in a black jacket. Photos are sent out via wire service of Chu lying handcuffed on the ground and in the back of the campus police car. He was released around 12.30 p.m. Um, at... God. What the blank? <coughs> Because he was Asian and he was... Wearing a black coat. Basically... I'm sorry? Because he was Asian and wearing a black coat. Tell me that isn't uh, racially profiling. It is. (laughs) It is, no matter what anybody wants to say. That was a racial profile. You know? Okay. Um... So at 10.16, the administrators um, send out a third email saying classes have been canceled for the day. Those on campus are asked to remain where they are, lock their rooms, and stay away from the windows. The message says persons off campus are asked not to come to campus. So basically, they're trying to isolate the area. Um, At 10.36 a.m., According to the police scanner conversation, ambulance, ambulances must transport injured to local hospitals because lingering high winds from the weekend, the weekend nor- nor'eastern, have grounded medical helicopters. So they're having to have the ambulance come and bring everybody to the local hospital. Um, at 10.52, another email is issued in addition to an earlier, which states, in addition to an earlier shooting today at West Ambler and Johnston, there has been a multiple shooting with multiple victims in Norris Hill. The message says, police have one shooter in custody, and as part of routine police procedure, they continue to search for a second shooter. Then at 12.15 p.m., the university was struck today okay so this was stated by the virginia tech president charles w steger and he says the university was struck today with a tragedy of monumental proportion um and then moments later the police chief wendell flincham draws gaps and he announces that at least 21 people are dead until then, media reports were that only two had died. 
<laughs> difference from two to twenty-one. Yeah. So in the beginning, it was two. Um, from the two from Johnston Hall. Um, so now they're counting up to 21 and the thing is they're still, you know, handling everything. So there's people who are still going to the hospital. They might be assuming, okay, maybe he's injured. Maybe he's dead. I don't know, but we're going to send, you know, so they're just sending anybody who was shot to the hospital. Um, and then they, they're finding out little by little, you know, who is, who passed and who is still in critical who is Egypt you know like kind of like that situation yeah 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 um so then by 7 p.m in Harper Hall Cho's roommate um well doormate learns of his involvement in the shootings when police arrived to search his room they were asking questions um of everybody said Karen Karan Grewell, 21, of Falls Church. Police removed clothing, a computer, and other belongings that, and they left around like midnight um, from doing all their searching and investigation. Um, investigators find a note in Cho's room, which it was said a sort of a manifesto. Um, it was a rambling and somewhat incoherent list of grievance. Among the people Cho attacked in in the note are those he considered rich, spoiled students. The source said it was just sort of against the world kind of, you know, rambling, but it had more to do with like a, if you were rich and privileged, basically. Um, at 8.19... Chief Flinch Hun says there has been a preliminary identification of the Norris Hall shooter, but they will not confirm it is the same as the dorm shooter. Officially word the official word was that Cho was a shooter at both sides sites. Um but that didn't come out until the next morning that it was actually just Cho who committed the act. Now, Cho killed 32 people that day in, I would say, in about an hour, in in a two-hour window, he killed 32 people and then cowardly took his own life. Um... So that is the story. What's your opinion? Okay. Um, first off, I think Virginia Tech at the time, because I don't know how they are now, but um, in 2005, seven, whatever, yeah, let's say five, 2005, mm-hmm. um, had signs that he was um, a person that was disturbed, that was, you know, mm-hmm. in signing in to classes as question mark is probably the biggest sign of all. Um, I think the school failed him. Uh, I think that, whoever, that the person in this, the, whoever was in charge of his case in the psychiatric ward, um, 
failed him as well because he should have been in there for more than a day, two days, whatever the time was that he was in. Um, I also think that what he did was um, heinous. And, um, and like I was saying before, since he was hanging out with um, colored people, yeah, it was definitely that he was bullied by rich white people. And then, of course, um, like you just said, um, he, the people that he targeted, not including teachers, because he killed a lot of teachers as well, um, but was mainly what he perceived as white, rich people or Caucasian rich people. Um, so this is another um, case that we've, we've done that I feel badly at the beginning for the murderer, the shooter, the killer, um, whatever name you want to give him. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, um, killing is not the answer, obviously. And for me, one of the things that aggravates the crap out of me. Yeah. Always has. If you're, if, and I'm, and I'm going to talk real talk. So if anybody, if there's a child in the room, nope. Um, please don't, you know, please don't um, listen to this out loud because if he had the balls to shoot all these people with recklessness. He should have the boss to stand trial and not be a coward in shooting himself. True. Because I'm thinking you have, you know, like you you think you all world and doing this, but you don't want to pay the consequences. You don't want to go to jail. You don't want to get arrested. So why do it? So I think he was very much a coward. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the same time, I I. I feel, I feel bad that the, that the school failed him. I really do. That's what I feel. Yeah. But I'm not gonna say, oh, he did that because of the school, and I blame the school and not him. Of course not. He shouldn't have done that. It, there's, um, at that time in 2005, there were so many avenues that you could take to get the help that you need. And um, mass shooting is not the way to do it. True. That is being honest. That is like solar truth. Um. So this actually took place in 2007. Um, no, you're fine. And I just, I just, I feel bad for the 32 people who lost their life because one individual could not continue to seek the help he needed. You know, no matter what the situation is, if someone is telling you you need to seek um treatment and they're telling you that you need to now they're court ordering you to seek it there's a reason there is a reason why they're asking you to go and well they're not asking you anymore now they're telling you you need to seek treatment you know and i feel that with the fact that he was basically denying his body and his mind of this treatment he did what he shouldn't have done you know 
Um, I think I'm lost <laughs> anyway. Well. Um, well. Um, so now we are live. <laughs> Oh, but, my bad. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Um, we had a momentarily disconnection. Um, as I told you guys earlier in the, um, I'm not feeling good. So to prevent anybody else from getting sick, I'm at home, and he, and so we're doing it in two separate locations. Um, so yeah. But if you guys enjoyed, um, hearing us, um and want to continue, you guys can always come back to our podcast, listen to other um, cases we've done. Um, if you want to hear cases that are in your neck of the woods or interest you and you want us to go ahead and, you know, do a case, uh, episode on that, you can email us at murderous intentions 21 at gmail.com and you can visit our instagram at murderous underscore intentions underscore podcast or you can reach us on twitter at capital m capital i true cry podcast so guys um like i said earlier um this is also a sponsored um, we have sponsored ads now in our, in our podcast and we have listener support. So all you have to do is just click the link at the bottom and you can help sponsor, I mean, help support our podcast. Um, and if you have any cases you want, you know, the information provided. All right. Enjoy your day. Stay safe and love yourself and take care of yourself. See ya. See you next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.